0: Welcome back to I Have to Ask with Elizabeth Hess, part of the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Today's guest is Ben Leroy, part of Curbanism Club. He has a plan for the use of infrastructure money. Thanks for joining me today, Ben.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You used to be with the City of Champaign and you left last August. What are you up to now?
1: So I worked for the City of Champaign Planning and Development Department for nearly a decade and i have to say it was the honor of a lifetime it's where i started my career and to work for the city government of the city i grew up in in what i would say is a premier planning department in the whole state of illinois nothing is better than that but last august i did leave voluntarily on good terms because i i want to do something new with my expertise in the field of planning and land use law so right now i do a number of different things i teach land use law local government and planning law at the u of i i have courses at both the College of Law, as well as the Department of Urban and Regional Planning. I love teaching and I'm pursuing additional teaching opportunities, but I also do some planning consulting that gets me in front of different types of communities than Champaign, which is the community I'm most familiar with. And I'm involved with the National Zoning Atlas, which is an applied land use research initiative. And then I'm dipping my toe into the advocacy pool with Kerbinism Club.
0: Can you give me a little brief synopsis? Because I've spoken to Kathy Shannon and Adani Sanchez about urbanism. Explain it again, exactly what it is, and how did you get involved?
1: Adani and Kathy are the founders, and I'm so glad they founded this group. Basically, this group is about supporting walkable, bikeable, accessible cities, supporting affordable housing in our Campaign Urbana community here. Why did I get involved with urbanism? One of the things that I care about most in my life is making Champaign Urbana a better place. And I'll say specifically Champaign because that's where I grew up, and I love Champaign, and I I love Urbana too. But I'm a Champaign guy through and through. And making Champaign a better place is a lifelong calling for me. And back when I was a public sector planner, as a planner in general, and I think this is a feeling that's shared among many of my colleagues and peers in the profession. One frustration is that it's much more common for people to come out and say no to something than to say yes to something and that's not because our communities are full of curmudgeons or negative Nellies but I think it's because people are just more inherently more motivated to oppose something they fear or dislike than to support something they like you know people are busy they've got lots of other things going on why would you figure out child care to go to an evening meeting for something that you're neutral on or slightly positive on? A lot of people don't do that, but you might feel more motivated to go out and oppose something that you're worried about or concerned about. And so when this grassroots urbanism group was founded to support things like housing choice and transportation choice and transportation safety and community vibrancy, I had to get involved because I thought this is exactly what our community needs and exactly what I respond to as a planner, which is people coming together with a positive vision for the future. I think it's really important for our community to have a group like urbanism. We've got a great staff here in city of Champaign. We've got a council that's been moving in the right direction on a lot of urbanism issues, but there's always room for improvement. And I think that room for improvement comes from citizens organizing to push our organization forward, our community forward. And so I think that's where we wanna take urbanism is to show there's a large active constituency for these sorts of issues.
0: Part of your recent focus is to strategize about how the city of Champaign should redirect millions of tax dollars spent on car-centric infrastructure towards walking and biking. Can you tell me a little bit about Champaign's Capital Improvement Plan?
1: So the Capital Improvement Plan is a, a very important and fairly complex document I've been working with urbanism on to sort of educate our community on. Briefly, the Capital Improvement Plan, or CIP, is a... Funding plan for capital expenditures. What are capital expenditures? That's things like stormwater infrastructure, streets, sidewalks, repairs to buildings, and new city buildings. It's not a full budget, so it does not include things like payroll for city staff or operational expenses like the gas in the police cars. It's what the city builds, the infrastructure of the buildings. It governs about 50 to $55 million of spending per year in champagne it's a plan that's adopted annually and it's adopted with a 10-year prospectus it's about a 550 million dollar plan looking at 10 years of capital expenditures going forward incidentally every city has a cip urbana has a cip i'm less familiar with that specific document but it operates very similarly to champaign's i believe they operate on a five-year plan rather than a 10-year plan but otherwise it's very similar One thing I'll say about the CIP is that if you're interested in understanding more about infrastructure, but you're worried about the complexity of this document because it is complex, city staff write a great staff report about it every year that really makes it accessible to the public. And then Kermanism just hosted a workshop at the end of March about the CIP, and we're hoping to post a video of that and some resources about that.
0: For those of us who don't know how city government decides to allocate money, Can you tell us some of the currently proposed ways that the city plans on using some of this money?
1: In the CIP, I would say that what is budgeted in the CIP is driven by a mix of specific targeted council input and direction, and then a lot of staff guidance, the professional staff, the engineers, the planners, the folks in the finance department, et cetera. I will say that since following City of Champaign City Council over the years, both as a staff member and then before and after that, is that council is pretty good about not micromanaging this process. You know, they've hired a very professional staff, a staff that has a public service ethos. And so our council does not get in the weeds of saying, okay, there's several hundred thousand dollars of money to be spent on resurfacing asphalt streets this year. Well, I want this one in my district and I want this one in my district. Our council is hands off on a lot of this stuff because a lot of it is kind of routine, or they just trust the professionals on staff. Council does focus on certain projects that are present in the CIP. A prominent one is the plan for Garden Hills. Garden Hills, of course, a neighborhood that has long been neglected, is finally, after years of great organizing and advocacy in that neighborhood, has gotten Council to direct some funding for a lot of funding for stormwater infrastructure, street lighting, other street improvements. And so that's an example of a plan where council was very involved and is really focusing the spending priority. But there are lots of other projects that are largely staff-driven. Asphalt street repairs, routine maintenance of stormwater infrastructure, building system upgrades, that sort of thing. One thing that I'll share to try and make this complex document a little more transparent to people is that it's organized around funds and projects. And so funds have both an input and an output component to them so funds might be general revenue general property tax dollars raised from general sources can be spent on anything or they might have specific inputs and outputs so for instance the local motor fuel tax is collected when people buy gasoline at the pump and then what that money can be spent on is limited by council policy to certain types of spending so that's funds And then there are projects. Projects are things like a repair to a particular building, an expansion of a particular street, a recurring project like annual sidewalk repairs, and projects are going to be funded out of one or more funds. Money can be shifted between projects and sometimes between funds, but from a logistical standpoint, it's generally easiest when a shift between projects keeps the money within the same fund.
0: I had the chance to attend the, I don't know if you're calling it a study session or the event on Tuesday, and you talked about money that is allocated or proposed to be allocated on Mattis Avenue between Windsor and Curtis. Can you tell me a little bit about that proposed project and what is the pushback against this? It's a complete street. Aren't more sidewalks and bike lanes a good thing? Can you talk about what's proposed and what would you like to see happen? I'd love to, yes.
1: This is a project that caught my eye. As you mentioned, it's a project, its specific number is Project 0561, and its name is Mattis Avenue from Curtis to Windsor, Complete Street. To orient people, this is the mile long stretch of Mattis in Southwest Champaign that runs between the Christie Clinic up at Windsor and the Carl Clinic down at Curtis. And along most of that corridor's length at present, it's a two lane rural road. That runs through cornfields it has what's called ditch drainage in other words water falls on the road and it just goes into ditches along the side of the road Uh, project 0561 proposes widening this road so that would have three vehicle lanes it would have on street bike lanes it would have sidewalks it would have street lighting and it would have curb and gutter drainage so there'd be actual drain pipe with curb to manage that storm water now there are a lot of features of this particular design that in the abstract, urbanism and myself, that we think are wonderful. As you mentioned, it's called a complete street. You know That means it has accommodations, not just for cars, but for people walking, for people biking. The street lighting is a, a great thing for safety and comfort along the corridor. So in the abstract, the design that's proposed here is a good one. The problem is the project itself, why here and why now? It is the most recent capital improvement plan, which is the one that was adopted last summer, projects approximately $5 million in construction costs for this project. And this is a corridor that, as I mentioned, runs through cornfields. In fact, more than half of the land that's adjacent to this project is not within the city of Champaign at all. It's just unincorporated county land. There's no plan to annex it for a long, long time. There's no development planned along this corridor for years this project won't spur any development itself and so our issue is that the city's gearing up to spend over five million dollars on widening this road through cornfields and it's just the infrastructure is going to be rotting in the ground and need repairs before it generates a single new tax dollar to pay for itself and so all of us are going to be paying to build that infrastructure and to maintain it for really no net gain apart from, yes, it would be smoother pavement, it'd be safer walking infrastructure, safer biking infrastructure, but the cost just doesn't justify the benefits. The benefits are so minor for this road widening out through the middle of farm fields. That's what we have an issue with. And so we're hoping to redirect those funds somewhere else.
0: Some of the alternative suggestions that were proposed were sidewalks in underserved neighborhoods, ADA-compliant sidewalk ramps, better road pavement and expanded bike infrastructure. I'm asking you, not as a member of Curbinism, not as a teacher, as a resident of Champaign, how would you, Ben Leroy, personally like to see that money reallocated?
1: I will speak personally, although I will say I, I do feel fortunate that I think a lot of my goals align with Curbinism's goals. But speaking for me personally, I'm a big fan of maintaining what we have before we expand infrastructure that we don't need and won't need for a long time. The city carries massive obligations in terms of the infrastructure that it's responsible for maintaining. A huge amount of infrastructure that the city has to keep up in good working order, and we're reliant on our tax base to do that. And it's really difficult to keep that infrastructure up we're at the time of the year where everybody is complaining about potholes and city council is hearing complaints about potholes, the public work staff. They're working their tails off to keep our roads in good working order, and yet we're so far from having great pavement everywhere and great sidewalk conditions everywhere. The idea that we're going to spend money widening a road through the middle of a farm field, how much sidewalk repair does $5 million buy us? How much better pavement in a bike lane so that cyclists aren't dealing with road hazards? All that stuff is what really calls to me. And so the idea that we can infill sidewalk gaps, gaps in our sidewalk network, or repair sidewalk hazards and failures, install accessible sidewalk ramps so that people pushing strollers, people using wheelchairs can get where they need to go safely and not have to be in the road with traffic whooshing by them, All that, to my mind, is a much more effective way to spend money. You just get a lot more bang for your buck, and you make the city a lot more equitable, especially when you direct those investments in places like the streets around schools and the corridors that lead up to parks. That's just a much more, I'd say, cost-effective, and it's a way of spending money that makes sense to me, where where spending money in a cornfield to widen a road does not.
0: It sounds like it's not too late to get involved. When does the city council actually make their final decision in the allocation of these funds?
1: There is a two-stage approval process for the CIP every year. The city's fiscal year runs from July 1st to June 30th. And so we're coming up on the end of this fiscal year. It's called FY23. It's named for the the year in which it ends. FY24 is going to begin on July 1st. And the CIP needs to be adopted before the beginning of the next fiscal year. So their two-stage approval process. The first stage is what's called a study session. Study session, for those who don't know, is where City Council is presented with some sort of complex item or some item where staff need discussion and input from the City Council, but they aren't taking a final vote on anything. That study session is likely going to be the second Tuesday of May, which would be May 9th. It may be a week earlier, it may be later. I've contacted the city and I don't believe they have the date scheduled yet, or at least it's not scheduled for for public release yet. But we're looking at early to mid-May for the study session. That is going to be a really important date for making sure that people who wanna participate in this show up to that council meeting or contact their council members before that study session. And then after that study session takes place, council has their discussion, the public gets to say their piece, Staff take the CIP back, they incorporate the feedback they received, and then they present it to council again in June for council to actually adopt the CIP.
0: What if I live in one of the small towns around here, but I work in Champaign, do you have to be a Champaign resident to get involved?
1: Great question. You do not have to be a Champaign resident to get involved council is going to listen most closely to champagne residents. I think that's understandable and I, you know that makes a lot of sense. So of course if you are a champagne person please do get involved if this calls to you. I'd love to have you. If you don't live in champagne but want to speak up, I encourage you to make it apparent in your comments why you matter to champagne and why champagne matters to you for example you might live in urbana but you work in champagne and typically you buy gas at a gas station that's near your workplace in champagne you know that's a great framing to show that hey i'm not just parachuting in to complain about something that i don't really have a connection to one thing i love about this community is yeah champagne and urbana and savoy and muhammad and st joe and rantoul they all have their own different identities but we cross those borders frequently and we're a big champagne county community and so yes if you are not a champagne resident but this calls to you if you care about champagne you have a connection Make sure you make that apparent to counsel in your comments.
0: You mentioned earlier that you want to keep the discourse civil. You don't want to just shout or talk at people. You want to make it a dialogue. How do you recommend somebody speak up in the most productive way about the allocation of this money?
1: There are a few ways to do that. And I would say the most productive way to speak up is to be organized. I have been following local government long enough that I've seen lots of different individuals and lots of different groups try to advocate for a variety of different causes in front of council, and organization is key. Currently, Kerbinism is organizing an advocacy campaign to redirect the funds currently scheduled for this Mattis Avenue road widening to other things like sidewalk infrastructure near parks and schools. I would encourage everyone to get connected to Kerbinism. Connect with us. We will be preparing templates for emails to contact council members, We'll be organizing speakers to go to city council meetings. If you've never been to a city council meeting, I'd like to encourage anyone who's listening to try it. And I'd like to encourage you to speak. I know not everyone's a public speaker. I know it can be nerve wracking, but it's also, I would say, liberating or even exhilarating to take that ownership of your community as a voter, as a taxpayer, as an informed citizen and say, here's what matters to me. Again, because we are organizing this campaign, we anticipate that we will largely be helping people craft their comments. You know, it's not going to be in a, a dictatorial fashion. You must say this, or else you can't speak to council. You know, we don't want to gatekeep like that. But one thing we do want to do is make sure that we're not filibustering or being disrespectful of council or staff's time. You know, there's a way to communicate effectively by being organized, getting up, saying your piece briefly and then handing off to the next person who wants to uh, carry the ball forward along with you.
0: Curbanism Club is very active on Facebook, on Twitter as well. There is a newsletter. How do you speak through them if you're not ready to go in front of the council?
1: Definitely encourage everyone to connect with Curbanism Club. You can do that by visiting the website, www.curbanism.org. That's C-U-R-B-A-N-I-S-M.org. When you're on that page, you can find the contact button, click on that, get signed up for the newsletter. Then you'll get our communications and you'll get more specific instructions about how to organize with us. There are links to Facebook and Twitter there. I also encourage people if this campaign is something you're specifically interested in, but you aren't perhaps ready to connect with urbanism on a broader level yet, you can email Champagne CIP, all one word Champagne CIP at gmail. I monitor that email address and just reach out through that email and say, hey, I'm interested in getting involved. We'll hook you up. We'll get you connected with an email template, talking points to go speak with council. You can ask questions. I'd love to take questions there. Yeah, looking forward to people getting involved to whatever level they choose. One thing I will say is that I think very highly of the city organization and this community, and we have a responsive council and a responsive staff who are driven by a public service ethos. And so I believe this is something where, if we organize, we'll be listened to in good faith. And people should take heart in that. There are communities where people can organize and organize and organize, and it doesn't matter because the people in charge are getting a payoff or the people in charge don't care. That's not the case in this community. This is a community where we have a council and staff that respond to organization in good faith. What that means is it's, it's up to us to be vocal. That what we want.
0: That dovetails perfectly into my have to ask question for you, Ben. In other small towns, in other cities, those with the loudest voices and the most money and the ones who shout the not in my backyard ideas are the ones who tend to get heard. Southwest Champaign has had its heyday. We've gotten a lot of things built down here. We still don't feel as equitable in Garden Hills, in some of the northern parts of Champaign that desperately need grocery stores, mental health services. Do you feel Champagne is as equitable as we can be in terms of where we build and incredibly needed resources for this community? It's a great question, and it's
1: a tough question. I would say no, we aren't. I would say there are very few communities that are. In my teaching and in my consulting, in my experience as a planner, I've gotten to know a lot about a lot of communities. And there are lots of reasons, lots of structural reasons why our cities are so inequitable. They relate to federal policies, they relate to state policies, they relate to city policies, many of which were enacted before anybody listening to this podcast was even born. And you can take that in one of two ways. You can take that as saying, well, these problems were caused before I was born, and so You know, why are you picking on me? Why are you saying I should do something that's not my fault? And I think that's a really, really negative and defeating way to approach this. The other way to approach this is to say, you know what? We are dealing with a legacy of mistakes and sometimes intentional policy choices that were intended to create haves and have nots. You're right. It's not anybody's fault that those things happened in the past, but it is our fault if we know about these things and we don't take action to remedy them ourselves. What I would say to anyone who feels like, like champagne is an inequitable place. I would say, yes, I agree with you, but take that feeling and don't stew in it. Don't despair about it, but take up action and know that it's not going to be perfect. No matter how hard we work, no matter how long we're at it, probably no one on who's listening to this podcast is going to get champagne where we want it to be by the time we're not around to listen to the podcast anymore. Like I said at the beginning, making champagne better is a lifelong calling for me. I'm going to wear lots of different hats through my lifetime. I'm not going to get everything done that I want to do, but I know that with my effort, with my organization, with my community members here, I'm going to make champagne a better place than I found it. I'm going to leave it a better place than I found it. And the more of us who take up that charge and work together with a positive spirit, the more we can accomplish. And so I look forward to to working with some people on making our home a better place.
0: Thank you for listening to I Have to Ask with Elizabeth Hess, part of the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Ben Leroy, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me.